Amen. So glad you're in the house of the Lord today. And uh, we're going to look at this morning, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 1 through 6. And we're going to look at some other verses, but we're going to start there this morning in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And we're going to look at the title this morning. The message is God's Spirit, Why It's Our Only Hope. God's Spirit. And that is our only hope this morning. We're going to see that this morning. And I pray that you, the Lord, would be able to minister to this morning and help me to get out. I've, I've, I'm telling you, I've wrestled with this all weekend. And so, but I know the Lord wants to do something this morning. And so, He's going to have to be the one to do it. So, let's stand this morning for the reading of the Word. And it says in verse 1, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, we and we have received mercy... We faint not, we're not giving up, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. And here's the problem that's going on today, verse 4, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. God's Spirit, why it's our only hope. Heavenly Father, I pray that God, that You would be lifted up. God, that You would be able to shine this morning. That through the power of Your Spirit, that You would be able to work and move and speak. And God, get a hold of lives. Lord, let Your Spirit move, God. Lord, let it move in this hour. We need it more than ever before. God, we've got to have a move of Your Spirit. And mighty God, it's what you want to do. That's the purpose, Lord, of your spirit. And God, we pray this morning that God, you would take off the blinders. You would remove the veil that people could see the way that you see us, God. That you would remove the veil that we could see through the word of God, through the spirit of God. You would be able to hit the mark and God draw hearts and lives to you. Our nation has got to see you. And God, see where it's truly heading. And God, only you can do that. Lord, you speak and only you can. In Jesus' name, have your way. Hallelujah. You can be seated. God's Spirit, why it's our only hope. While it's our only hope. This morning, we're talking about the word Spirit. The Spirit of God. That word in Scripture, its original language is the word pneuma. And it means breath. And we know that from even when God created man, He breathed into him. And that's what made the difference between a, a, just a body made with clay and a living thing is the breath of God. And then we know that before the Lord went up and, and ascended back to heaven, before He was, during His days, 40 days of being after His resurrection, we know He breathed on the disciples and said, Be filled with the Holy Spirit. The pneuma of God breathed forth. And then on, in Acts chapter 2, we see that indwelling of the Spirit where God is not only watching us from afar, not only has He sent His Son who is here with us, but now the Spirit of God can live within us. 
He, he now will rest within us and be part of us and, and empower, empower us and, and, and change our lives from the inside out. And so that's His desire. But let me tell you something. We need to know a little bit about that Spirit of God. Who is that Spirit of God? We, we can see that it's the very breath and Spirit, part of the triune God that can live within our own lives. Wow, what an amazing thing that we don't have to just someone tell us about who God is, but He can live within us. And we know He lives within us because He changes me. I can tell you, the day I got down and got saved, I come up a different person. And the only difference, you know what the difference was? The pneuma of God, the Spirit of God changed me. He washed me. He, he filled me. And God makes a difference in our lives. And so we know that Spirit of God is an important thing. The Word tells us a few, lots of things. I can't, even, I can't go into everything it says, but today we're going to look at a few. One thing, the Spirit of God is important. Why? It, it convicts of sin. If you got saved, it's because the Spirit, the pneuma of God, got a hold of your heart and life and drew you. It said in John chapter 16, verse 8, and this is the Lord speaking, says, And when He, talking about the Spirit, will come, He will reprove. That word reprove means convince or convict. He will convince the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. You see, before the Spirit comes, we can't see sin. We can't even understand. We may know that something isn't right. But when, we, when the Spirit comes, we're going to look at it in a minute, something happens on the inside. When you got saved, no doubt, there was a drawing of the Spirit that caused you to see yourself through different eyes. All of a sudden, I'm not that sinner that's getting away with it and thinking I'm having a great time. All of a sudden, I'm a miserable wretch who sees myself in God's eyes just like Isaiah. Isaiah probably thought he was a pretty good guy and looking at everybody else around him, I guarantee he was. But something happened. That day it says on the Lord's day, when the Spirit of the Lord came down, and he came into the temple and, and, and Isaiah got to see the holiness and presence of God. All of a sudden what he thought was good in his life, he realized was nothing. He realized his need for God because he realized when he gets in your presence of God, when you see God for who he truly is, it changes the way we see who we are. And so we see that we need that spirit to reprove us, to convince us. We need to give our heart and life to God. Because without that, you want the people we're praying for, unless God comes and sends His Spirit to convict them, they'll just keep going right on in their sin. But when that Spirit penetrates the heart, things change. Also, what do we see? The Word of God tells us that the Holy Spirit, the penuma of God, draws sinners. Not only shows them and reveals sin, He's drawing us. Thank God he, He's pulling me. I'm sitting there as a sinner and I'm miserable. I'm at home in the midnight. I can't sleep and I'm waking up and I'm worried about my soul. Why? The Spirit of God is drawing me. And He drawed you, I'm sure. John 6.44 tells us that no man can come to me Except the Father which hath sent me, draw him, and I will raise him up at that place. There is a drawing. Thank God God pursues you. God pursues you. Why? Why is it so he can beat you down? Does God pursue us so he can say, oh, I want to show you how evil you are? He does reveal our sin, but it's so that he can love us and so that he can forgive us and so that he can cleanse us. Oh, thank God that he not only convicts, but he draws. Do you know that the Spirit can be grieved? By the way, you can't grieve a thing. You grieve a person. 
And so the Word of God tells us about grieving the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, it says, And grieve not the pneuma, the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. God's saying that He puts His Spirit in you when you give your heart and life. He, he puts His Spirit within you. But there is times that we can turn our back on God so much I, I, that we cause God to repent of that He's even His Spirit. The Spirit is, can be grieved because of the, the fact that we reject Him and we, we, we take on sin and we move away from the things of God. The Spirit can be grieved. Not only can it be grieved, the Spirit can depart. This is something that's so... The Spirit can then depart. We see, we see in, uh, in Saul's life, we see that uh, Saul, when he first started, he had the same opportunity that David did. God, this wasn't God's choice, but God gave him the same opportunity. He moved upon him with his spirit. And we see him early on. He's sitting there prophesying and he's doing all kinds of stuff. And, and God's Spirit's upon him. But Saul was a man who was just the opposite of David. Instead of having a heart toward God, he wanted to use the things of God for his own set. His heart was toward his own flesh and to pleasure and doing his own thing. And so over from the first act of the first battle or to even being anointed, he took it in his own hands. He couldn't wait. He was impatient. He didn't want to wait on God. He wanted to do it. And right from the beginning, he turned his heart away and he rejected God. And there was judgment that come on him because of it. And he kept moving away from God. He could have repented. Why didn't he repent? Why didn't he ask God for forgiveness? Why? Because his heart was hardened. From the very beginning, he started moving away from God. Instead of repenting, he got harder and harder. And there came a day. When this horrible statement was made. And God, this is, this is something that we don't want to see in our lives. 1 Samuel 16 verse 14 says, But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. And an evil spirit from the Lord trusted him. There was a, a spirit of actually Satan that came and started working against him. And try, And we know David, well, that's why he would have David play the, uh, the harp and, and try to, so that it would give him peace because his soul was troubled. We see a man that started out prophesying God's hand upon him. His last act was to have a witch to try to give him wisdom to what to do and to try to call up the dead. Why? Because the prophet was no longer, because God's spirit was no longer available to him. So he's doing this and he ends up going into eternity in that kind of a situation. Why? Because he rejected the things of God. He grieved God's spirit. Do you know our nation has grieved God's spirit? Our nation has been grieving God's spirit in such a horrendous way. And God can repent of what... God, let me tell you something. Here's the one thing about it. Our nation, there has never been a nation that has been more blessed than America next to Israel. Our nation has been blessed by God and raised up like no other to a power above all. We've had an economic power. We've been a military power. We've been a power to do good. We've been a power to stop and try to have world peace. We've been a real impact for hundreds of years. But do you know what? It doesn't matter what we did 20 years or 100 years ago. What is the condition of the heart of our nation today? And it grieves God. We see the grief of God. And even in Genesis, we see what God did. He created and we see everything was good. And He made the garden and sin got involved. And all of a sudden we see in Genesis chapter 6 chapter, 6 chapter, 
And here we, God's creating. We see all the things he did. And then we see just shortly after that, we see in verse 5, it says, And God saw the wickedness of man. By the way, when I read this, think of this hour. Think of today and see if it describes. And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. If you look at the condition of their land, and we're going to look at a few of the things, can you see God being grieved today? Can you see Him look at the nation that He raised up and blessed greater than anything else and kept His hand upon us and used us to be His lighthouse to go forth and to impact the rest of the world and yet we are moving at such a frantic rate away from the things of God. Let me tell you what, America has rejected the Word of God. It's rejected. We see that they used it and we want you to keep the Word of God in the church and not anywhere else. And they pushed the Word of God out of the, the public view, out of our schools, out of our courthouses, out of the public venue. And now, they're trying to move Him even out of the house of God. They're trying to limit. The, they will, there will be a very near future. They will be telling us what we can. And it's already happening in some areas. They will be telling us what we can and can't say. There's things in the Bible they don't like the fact that it says it's sin and they'll be telling us you can't preach. That's going to be a hate crime. It's already there. We're already seeing it in other areas. And so we see that America has rejected the Word of God. It didn't stop there. America is rejecting the Son of God. You can say any name. Hey, you can say Islam any day, any other religion, any other name, any other prophet, anything. Say it and they'll celebrate you. But you say the name of Jesus. And you polarize from everybody else. They don't want to hear the name of Jesus. America is rejecting the very name that gave us what we have. You know what? America grieves God in the blood of 60 million babies. 60 million babies of its children is on its hands, on her hands. And the current battle that we're facing with the Supreme Court justice is mainly over one topic. And that's it right there. They're so afraid that something could change and we will lose our ability to move that number even greater. And when God sees this, when God sees this, He's grieved. And so God embraces also things that the Word of God, and we never had this part. 20 years ago, you would have never even imagined what we are celebrating as this country is good. There's things that we preach in the Word of God that says it's evil. It's sin. It's twisting the very plan of God for men and women's lives. And now we as a nation not only accept it, but we celebrate it. We celebrate it. And we are not to say anything that sin is sin. And so as a nation, we're calling things that are evil good. And we're taking things that are good and our nation calls them evil. Is God grieved when He looks at our nation? God tried to get our attention 19 years ago last month. And this is, listen, if you study history out, you will see this is the way. This is the exact same course that we're on that Israel was on. Same course. Same exact course. Before, when God is grieved, He sends forth His messengers to get the attention of the people. And He tries, you, you, you know what I'm talking about? Just go back and read your prophets. 
Read your minor prophets and see what God was doing. He was crying out, Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. Repent, turn back. And the people said, we will not hear you. We do not, we reject what you've got to say. And so we see that exact same course that's going on. And, and what God will do first is He will bring judgment that's not complete. He will bring judgment on a land before He brings utter judgment. He will try to get, He will send His voice. He will try to stir His people. If that doesn't happen, He brings limited judgment. And that's what happened on 9-11. Let me tell you something. Yes, it was an attack and it was, they had no idea. These 19 terrorists that hit our, uh, uh, our land and hit our trade tower and hit our Pentagon had no idea the significance of how powerful what they were going to do. They had an ideal. But they had, if you look at the coincidence of everything from the timing, everything, there is so much, I can't even go through it today, of that moment when they did this, God, the only way they could do that is that God had to pull back His hand of protection that He'd hand on this nation. We face foes that was way more powerful and more advanced. And these people, we were the superpower that no one would touch because of how powerful and how strong we were. And 19 terrorists from another side of the world was able to penetrate the very heart of our country and touch every part of our life. Why? The only way that could happen is God was letting us see you can be touched. You can be judged. And this is a preview of what can happen. And it impacted everybody. Some a lot more than others. It got all of our attention on that day. All of a sudden, there was a, a people's hearts were melted before God. People that today stands in defiance to the things of God stood together on the courthouse steps of Congress and sat there and prayed together. And we called out for God to help us. But at that moment, instead of turning, continued down the path of repentance, we became defiant and said, we'll show the world that we will be back on top. And if you look at the last 19 years, would you say that America has gotten more tender toward the things of God? Or would you say they have become more defiant to the things of God? We are celebrating more. We are doing more evil now. That's what we're seeing that's coming across our streets. We're seeing the impact of coming judgment. If we don't turn back to God, that's coming. Listen, I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm just trying to tell you that the Word of God proves out and the same thing happened to Israel. And it was about 19 years, by the way, that there was a warning and God gave them a warning and they didn't heed it. And then destruction came. And so the Lord, the answer is, is the Spirit of God. So we see that when, he, when we were hit on 9-11, we had, we were, our uh, economy received judgment. They hit the World Trade Center, the two tallest buildings we had that represented the world financial power that resides right here. They was in the, the heart of our financial district in New York City. They hit the two trade towers, the world trade towers to show that God, that we can be humbled. And so when those two towers, they didn't even think they were going to come down. They just wanted to do damage. The, the enemy did not even believe or could not believe. That wasn't, they didn't think they would come all the way down, but they did all the way to the ground. So our financial district, and we're still even today reeling from that. And today it's been impacted again, is it not? So we received our judgment on our economic condition, and we also received a, our protection was judged. What is the heart in America of our military strength? Where is it centralized? 
in the Pentagon. That's where all the thousands and thousands of the top military leaders uh, plan and strategize and, and coordinate the military movement of our nation, which is above all militaries in the whole world. And it would be considered, there is no nation that would think they could even march on that place. In a fraction of a moment, judgment came and showed that there could be a penetration even into what our protection, our security that we held on to. And so they penetrated that building. And it, all of a sudden, our military, our strength was shaken. Our economy was shaken. What are we going through right now? The condition and the health of our nation is being shaken. We're seeing that even when we thought that our, even our economic, we were talking about all these things are growing and we're doing better. And all of a sudden, unexpectedly, six months ago, everything and more that we were shaking before is shaking again. There, we, we think we're coming out of it. But here's the deal. If we don't turn back and realize God is trying to get our attention, if we don't call out on God, if we don't humble ourselves before God, it will continue. And there comes a point of no return. And that's all I'm trying to do is to get our attention. So what's next? What do we... And, and you know, I, listen. There was, there was a dream and I, I couldn't understand it. And, I, and I'm, let me just tell you this dream. And I, I don't have many dreams, okay? I don't have many dreams. And, and when, sometimes when you have dreams, there's, you know when God's saying something to you in a dream. You know because He troubles you and you just... It's something that burns in your mind and it's just like it wakes you up. It's, it's so, I, I, and I didn't understand it. And I was going, this was, this was not 10 years ago. This was after 9-11. And we had started right before 9-11. I'd started uh, with a small group of us. We'd started praying for our nation. I mean, just a few weeks before 9-11. And so we were, it was 40 days before. It was started, I guess, like February 28th. And we were praying for 40 days for our nation. And we continued after that. And it came to September, and then that happened. It wasn't. It was sometime the next year after that. The I was going to First Pentecost, and we would. There wasn't a very, just a small remnant coming in at that time, that continued on. But one night I I dreamed, and, and it did. I've tried to put it. In, I've tried to give meaning to this for a long time, but it's finally. I was crying today because I finally it makes sense what I was seeing. But I was I was I was praying, and, and all of a sudden I seen I was in First Pentecostal. And, and I remember seeing, uh, I would come in at 6 in the morning, and usually I'm the first one there. And I would turn the lights on and turn on some music, and kind of like we're doing right now and uh, for the prayer deal. And so I got there, and when I got there, the parking lot was full. And I thought, Lord, have mercy, what's going on? <laughs> parking lot's full, and the world's at full this time of morning. So I go in, and when I come in, the, in fact, the pews, it was, there was not only the pews, but that we had done a remodel at one point, and there was extra pews against the outside walls. That's how many people was there. And there was people, uh, they weren't just praying. They were wailing. They were wailing. I mean, it was, you could, I seen faces, people I knew, and I knew they were Christians. Of course, I was concerned, because at first I thought, is this what happens after the rapture? And I thought, well, I hope not, because I'm here. I'm here, and some of these good people I know is here. I know they got to be Christians, and I, did, I just didn't understand it. And there was on their face the thing that was telling to me, and there, and there wasn't much more to it. There was, I seen people look at me, and there was sheer agony in their face. There was trauma inside of them they were crying out to God I've never seen the beat it wasn't normal 
It wasn't just little prayer service and a rumbling. It was wailing before God. That troubled me for a long time. That's been 19 years ago. And I kept thinking, Lord, there is no doubt. I've even testified there about it. And I've tried to put some meanings to it, but I've come to realize that this, that very well could be after judgment, after something else even happens to our nation. If we don't cry out to God, that won't be the only church that people will come and cry out and say, God, God have mercy. God, what are we going to do? That trauma I seen was fear. It was hurt. It was just, just anguish crying out to God. And I believe it's because the nation's condition got such that God had to shake a nation. Shake a nation. And when He did to Israel, He destroyed a nation. He cast them out. And it took a long, long time for them to be humbled and to be brought back to their land. Hey, they're still not hearing Him. But I'm not trying to tear you up with that, but I just want to get your attention. So what has brought us to this place? We see in those verses that we read a minute ago, 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4, and I'm going to have to move. But if the gospel be hid, it is hid from them that are lost. Here's the problem. How do we get where we have gotten to? In whom the God, Satan, of this world has blinded. That word blinded there is talking about removing the ability to understand. Removing the ability to understand. He has removed the ability to understand from the minds of them which believe not. Why? Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is in the image of God, should shine on them, upon them, or unto them. What is it saying? You know what, as a person that is blind, they can have eyes just like you and me. They got a brain that can process what they see. But they have got something blocking the pathways, the signal from what their eyes see. Those nerves are not connecting to the brain so it can interpret what they're looking at. So they're in total darkness. And so it's saying here that the enemy of our souls and some of the people we've been praying for, you're thinking, why in the world are they not repenting? Why in the world are they not seeing what's going on? Why in the world? And when the answer is right here, because the enemy has blinded them, taken away their ability to even see what's really going on. All they're doing is focusing on now and me and problems and what I want and they can't see that God is trying to shake us and trying to get our attention. And so there's been a removing of understanding. There's hope. So hang in there. There's hope. But that's what the enemy's done. We are living in a generation where there are more people have never experienced God than whoever have. And so they're basing everything on somebody else and some story they've heard. And they don't have any idea. The one thing that I couldn't get away from as a sinner was the fact that I'd got a hold of God as a teenager and that understanding, the fact that my eyes had been opened and I'd seen it, kept drawing me because I couldn't get away from it. But if you've never experienced the things of God, the enemy will blind your mind. You will believe there's nothing to it. It's just a good story and life is what you make it. And so they're blinded, heading toward destruction at a fast pace. So we've got to see that there is a reason. We need to be crying out to God. So the only hope. So what do we need to do? How do we? We see that our nations turn. We see that even our churches are indifferent toward the things of God. You want to look. Go take a poll of how many people's in church this morning. How many, see how many people is in the house of God today. I know we're going through some things. Go back six months ago. Take a poll. 
Go count, figure out how many people's in the house. People whose heart are indifferent and we want to do what we want to do and we're not really concerned about the thing. Even though God is showing us, He's shaking our nation, He's getting our attention and we would walk away from it. So what do we do? We've got to cry out for God to pour out His Spirit and to humble us on our knees before He humbles our nation. Before we see that it's too late because there comes a point of no return. So we must cry out for God to forgive, starting our own lives. Don't say, God, forgive them. Say, God, forgive me. I'm doing that. God, please see me. Cleanse my heart. Stir me. Let me see I'm not near as good as I think I am. And God, let me get more hungry for you. Till you, God, can just let my heart melt before you. And God, give me a burden for the lost. Give me a burden for our nation. Give me a burden for our souls. God, we need you more than anything. And that's what God will answer. We've got to get a burden. And it won't come naturally. Don't wait for it to just show up. It's going to take us seeing where we truly are. And I've got to keep moving. Okay, so what do we, why do we need an outpouring of the Holy Spirit? We need an outpouring of the Spirit because God's Holy Spirit gives light. That blindness, the only way we're going to get it fixed is if God reveals through the light of His Spirit. We see in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, the chapter before we read, verse 50. By the way, man, that's some good stuff. It's heavy stuff. It's deep stuff. But these two chapters have got a lot in them. But verse 15 and 16 says... But even unto this day, when Moses is read, talking about the law, the Ten Commandments, the, the law of God, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it, it's talking about their heart still, shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. When it's talking, I, I can't spend a lot of time here, because this is, this is the key. It's saying that, that even when Moses come off the... By the way, what was going on when he was up on that mountain? Okay, God is 50 feet to the right. The mountain is covered with God's glory and His cloud of the, it, that's covering the mountain because God... And they've been told, don't you touch that mountain. If you touch that mountain, you're a dead man or woman because God's glory is in that mountain and you can't touch it. There He's up for 30 days. And by the time... Here comes Moses back down that hill and he's got... He's got tablets that God took His own. Can you imagine that? God's own finger wrote the Ten Commandments out in His own hand and He's bringing them down and He's bringing them down to see. By the way, He's got to have His face covered because the glory of God's all over Him. And so He comes down and when He's going to bring it and present it to the people. And what's happened? They've turned their back completely on them. They've backslidden 100%. They've not got anybody there telling them what they can't do. Moses is not there to judge them and tell them you better turn your heart and repent. Someone to represent God for them. And they've said, well, he must be dead. We're going to do what we want. And they take the possessions God gave them, make themselves a golden calf. And now they're running naked around a golden calf, worshiping a false god. And God's 50 feet to the right with a cloud still on the mountain. And you think and you say, well, those bunch of nuts. But look at our nation. Has our nation not seen who God truly is and yet we turn our hearts and lives away from God and reject Him at such a pace and God is sitting there shaking His head. How can you do this? You know what I've done for you and yet we see that we turn our hearts. So what He's talking about here is that even when we read and we can read and you can put up the Ten Commandments. They're so worried about you reading them but you can put the Ten Commandments up but He's saying here without the Spirit of the Lord when you read the Word and the Law of God it's just words. It takes the Spirit to penetrate your heart. And we, if you read that chapter before, you're going to see that the Spirit of God makes the Word of God like a mirror. Not only are we reading, 
This morning you've done this. You got ready to come. And sometimes it saved me. I haven't got much to worry about. But many times that mirror has saved me from a big old embarrassment. Why? Because you look at what you truly are. You compare yourself and you see what you truly are. What a mirror the Spirit does with the Word of God. It lets you see the Word of God and it reflects who you are. And you see what it says and you see who you truly are and all of a sudden conviction hits a heart. Because you see, you don't match up with that. That's what happened to Isaiah. He seen he didn't match up what he thought he was. And when he got in the presence of God, he opened it up. And so it was sitting there and saying that we, our heart is only uncovered. The veil, it's talking about the veil on his face. He was covered and they couldn't see it. Why? They couldn't stand to see the glory of God. And by the way, it was, if you read, it's, it's starting to wane. Because, but he was been in the presence of God. And when he come out, it impacted him. It still has an impact on him and everybody else around him that's seen him because he's been in the presence of God. But we need the Holy Spirit to be outpoured because it is a light that shines within our hearts. And the, people, the only way people's going to see where their heart is truly is the light of God's glory shining. Hallelujah. So how does the, it shine? It shines through the Spirit shining in their heart. Verse 6 tells us about that. In chapter 2, 2 Corinthians 4 and 6 rather, it says, For God who commanded the light, he's talking about at the beginning in Genesis 1, commanded the light to shine out of darkness. That same, Who was that light? Who was that Spirit that moved upon the face of the earth? It's the Spirit of God. And it says that same light has shined in our hearts. God revealed sin in our hearts through that Spirit to give the light. Now, here, here's the other side of that coin. A minute ago, I told you, the enemy of this world steals our knowledge and our ability to understand. But this verse says, when it says to give the light, that word light there means to enlighten or give knowledge. It's just, it's like the, it's like the remove processor is put back and now God puts back inside of us the ability to see sin and to see ourselves as He does and the enemy took it away. Now God places it back in and now we see differently than we did before. And what do we see? The knowledge of the glory of God and the face through the face of Jesus Christ. We see God through His Son, Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, we're able to see sin as sin and conviction takes root in our heart because we see we can't hide it anymore. Our nation, our families needs to see Christ. And we only are going to be able to do that and recognize our sinners if the Holy Spirit is poured out and is a light in our heart. Next, we need the outpouring of the Holy Spirit not because just He gives light, but He gives light. Life. He gives life. 2 Corinthians 3, 6 says, Who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament. The new covenant. What is that new covenant? The good news of the gospel that Jesus came to bring. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. What in the world is it talking here? The letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. It's talking about the law. The old covenant. The law of God that was given to Moses on those tablets. When he brought them down, it was a wondrous, glorious thing. The glory of God was shining on him. It was a wondrous thing. They praised God. They celebrated what God, God now is speaking to us. And He's telling us and revealing sin. But it was death. Why? Because now we see that we don't match up. So when we read it, we says, Thou shalt not lie. Ooh, wait a minute. Lie. Have I ever lied? I have. Have you? Ever? And then you say, if you've lied, then what does it say? There's penalty. It tells us the law and there's penalty. Death. 
Separation from God. Sin. Death. Is there any mercy and grace there? No. Judgment. Whoo. Well, maybe, maybe I'll get away with that one. Okay. Uh, 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 have, I ever, uh, have I ever stolen anything? Anything? Even when I was a kid in grade school, did I still pencil off somebody else's desk? Anything? Have I stolen anything? Have I taken something from my brother? Have I taken something from work? Have I ended up with, a, you know, what I'm saying? It ain't going to take many of us very long to come up and say, yeah, that was me. I did that. I did it five, ten times. You know, whatever. So you, you know we have transgressed. We can keep going. Have you coveted? Have you lusted? Have you, hopefully you've not killed, but all these other, you, there's a lot of these things that we've done. And so what the law does, it, it, says, it, says that the, it says that the law is a wondrous thing that He brought down, but it brought forth death. All it did was show us we're guilty and we're deserving a judgment. But it goes on and says, but the Spirit giveth life. That word life means make alive. It means quicken. Romans 8, 2 says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Thank God that the new covenant was, yes, now the new covenant, the New Testament didn't do away with the old. In fact, the Holy Spirit shines a light and says, you're guilty. Yep, you're guilty. I'm going to help you see it. You're guilty. But then he says, even though you're guilty, I've already paid the price. And if you accept me, you're forgiven. Oh, what? And isn't that much more glorious than the old covenant has been doing because we couldn't live it? We couldn't do it. We had no help in ourselves, but we're guilty. But thank God we're forgiven. Hallelujah. So, what a wondrous thing. And that's the life it talks about. In fact, uh, uh, that's the same one, the same word that it's used talking about what the Lord's going to do to us when we are transformed into our new bodies. It says in verse 11 of eight, Romans 8, but if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken, that's that word life, quicken your mortal bodies by a spirit that dwell in you. He changes us. He gives us new life. And so that's what He's promised. So the Spirit gives us light. The Spirit gives us light. There's two more. And we need an outpouring because the Holy Spirit gives you liberty. Freedom. Freedom. We see in 2 Corinthians 3.17, now the Lord is that Spirit and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Freedom. Thank God that He gave us freedom. He revealed that we are sinners. He revealed that we needed a Savior. He revealed that we were guilty as charged. But then He says, but the good news is, I've come to set you free. I've come to wash it all away. I've come to say nothing's on your slate, completely clean. I'll pay the price. So that is liberty, which means to be free. Hallelujah. 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 That's what God came to do for us today. He doesn't just cause the Holy Spirit to remove a veil and shine on our hearts but he, and show us that we deserve eternal judgment, but He comes and shows us and reveals at the same time we're guilty. He reveals the good news. And those transgressions are forgiven. If we'll, and given eternal life if we'll just call out on Him. Lord, we need the Holy Spirit. We need Him to reveal to these people, our nation, the sin that's in our hearts and lives. He, we need Him to do that, but we also need Him to give liberty. 
to show that there is, hey, not a God ready to beat them down, but a God wants to save them and transform a nation and to give us peace instead of uh, destruction. He wants to do mighty things in our life. But we've got to first see that there's sin, but He will give us liberty. Thank God for that. And finally, we need an outpouring because the Holy Spirit gives you His likeness. Let me explain that to you. This is a beautiful verse in verse 18 of chapter 2 that says, But we all, talking about His children, with open faith. This is the opposite of what we were just talking about with Moses, whose face is covered so you can't see His glory. The glory of God was being hidden. But we stand there open-faced as in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed, transformed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the what? The penuma, the Spirit of the Lord. You know what it's saying? Is that you and I, not only does the Spirit impact other people around you by His light and by giving life, but you as a child of God, play into this and are impacting others because the more you're in the presence of the Lord, the more you come to the prayer service, the more you find time in your quiet time at home and you start seeking God, the more things that time that you get and say, God, I just want to touch you. The more you're in the presence of God looking in that mirror, the more it says you're going to be more looking like Him every day. The more you want to know why the nation has become so vile, it's put this Word of God down. It doesn't look at itself compared to the... It says, I think I'm okay. But when we are child, children of God and the Spirit of God lives within us and we spend more and more time in the Word of God, hearing the Word of God, reflecting on the Word of God, God revealing what's inside of us and us cleaning us up and God doing a work in our life, it says that you will become more and more looking like Him every day. And it goes on to say, and it gets better and better, and it says, and are changed into the same image. Who? God, the Lord Jesus Christ. We become looking. We become as the, the Word. What are we called? Christians. What does that mean? Christ-like. The more we're in His presence, the more we get hungry for Him, spend, the more we're like Him. I used to listen to, and, and I'll, I'll go even further. I knew some people that you might have seen this. Uh, people that follow maybe a preacher and B.H. Clinton and there's a whole lot of people that was in the circles that I ran in that boy he was a mighty powerful uh, man of God and, and he had certain little things he did and people that were that was just listened to him all the time and people that uh, went to his camp meetings and, and watched his videos and, and, and was out there in his in Texas when whatever when they started preaching all of a sudden they started doing th they started throwing their finger a certain way they started making little comments the way he, all of a sudden all you had to do is listen to somebody preaching you'd say well I know that guy's been around, that guy's been around BH Clinton why cuz he spent a lot of time in his presence the Word of God is saying, the more time you spend in the presence of Jesus Christ, people are going to say, well, I know whose they are. That person's a Christian. Why? Because they're Christ-like. They're, they're changed. They look, just, they look like Him. They talk like Him. They act like Him. They're no doubt they're a Christian. You know what I'm talking about. There's people that didn't have to tell you they're a Christian. And I'm not talking about just the way they dress. I can tell just the way they talk and that personality. And there's just a spirit that comes from them. And you're thinking, you identify and say, that person's a Christian. Why? They've been in the presence of the Lord. And it goes on and says, it gets better. It says it goes from glory to glory. It's talking about 
climbing a set of stairs. It's talking about it's going from a good thing to a better thing. And you keep better. And all of a sudden you just finally get, oh my goodness, I didn't think it could get better. And I keep taking more steps. The glory of God gets stronger. And then instead of us being like Moses who comes before a nation that's turned their heart on God and he has to veil his face because they can't look on it. It's saying here that we as the children of God, when we get in the presence of other people, we don't have that veil on us. But people is able to see the glory of God, the Spirit of God that's just coming through our lives. It impacts other people. Your life can impact other people if that Spirit is within you and it's just coming out of every pore. And we get ourselves to where we are looking up and we're looking toward the end. Listen, let me tell you something. This home, this isn't home, folks. And we all, none of us wants to see destruction. None of us wants to, the good things to go bad. But let me tell you something. This isn't all there is. We're heading toward an eternal home. And He's looking, He's wanting us to get our hearts set on that. But while we're here, the glory of God needs to fill our lives so that while we're here, we're impacting other people around us. So today we see that more than anything else, we need the Spirit of God. We can't wait another month. We can't wait another year. We can't wait down the road any further. We need to realize that the Spirit of God is the thing that we need right now more than ever before. The people, our nation needs it. Our families needs it. And unless we get a hold of God, and God wants us to intervene. God wants us to repent. Listen, God turns over and over and over again. God would use just a few people to turn a heart of a, of a city or a nation if they would get serious for God. And listen, there's going to be, I don't want to get, I do not want, I do not want one day to walk in and see the scene I've seen in that dream and see it and say, yes, this is it. I don't want that to trouble me today. It troubled me when I realized that. Because I'm like, God, I don't want that to be the case. I don't want to find out what causes that. I don't. But there's a chance. There's a window. There's an opportunity. And not only is our nation's soul in a balance, but our families are in a balance. The enemy's blinded eyes. The enemy's got them captive. He's taken their ability to even see their sin. They can't do it themselves. The only way is if a people will get a hold of God so that His Spirit comes on the scene and He puts back the understanding so that now they can see the sin and then know they need a Savior. That's the only hope. And that's what we need to do this hour. We've got to call on God. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Amen. Amen. This morning, let's stand. Sister Priscilla, if you come. Let's bow our heads this morning. Heavenly Father, God, Lord, I know, God, you're trying to stir our nation. God, you're showing us because you're touching every single thing that gave us security, even our leadership. And God, you're showing us that, God, there's nothing, that, God, that you can't touch. And God, it's trying to get us to turn our hearts back to you right now. God, do it, Lord. I pray that you stir not only this church, but you stir a nation. God, that you let us see ourselves. Let you, God, that you put by your Spirit back into our understanding. God, the ability for us to process and to see, for the veil to be torn back, and that we see, God, we are desperately in need of you. That, God, we are not what we thought. That, God, we are not close as we should be. That, God, we are not hungry enough. That our nation has, God, rejected you, and you will not keep turning a blind eye to that. God, you didn't do it to your own people. You won't do it for us. 
But God, you want us to turn back. And if we'll turn back, God, if we would cry out, God, if we'll get serious with you, God, you can hear. And God, you can turn hearts. And God, you can save a nation. God, you've done it so many times. But God, we've got to hear from you. God, let your spirit go forth. Lord, I want your Holy Spirit to go in such a way that God, a light would be so intense. Almighty God, that people would be found kneeling all over this nation. God, that people just walking down streets would find their heart would be so crumbling. God, troubled by what they see that they would feel an overwhelming urge to fall on their knees before you. That God, they would be running to the nearest church looking for you, Almighty God. That's what it's going to take. And God, if you don't come right now, God, if you don't by your mighty power open our eyes that we start crying out until we see that, God, the only other option is more judgment. And God, we don't want to wait for that. We don't want to see that. God, we need to see you move. We don't want to pay the ultimate price because we're hardened before you. God, I want you to start in this preacher right here. God, let my heart melt before you. God, give me a burden like never before. God, give me a hunger to seek you, Lord, with a passion like never before. God, I want to see you move. God, I want to see you move. God, even in this church. In this community, God, that there be people that's never darkened the doors of this church before that would come because they see their need for you. That, God, you would draw them. You've done it so many times before. But, God, we've got to get to where we care. And, we, God, we are going to cry out. And we don't care what anybody else thinks. And those things that was important yesterday aren't important today. And, God, you want to do it. But, God, you've got to do the work because we can't do it. God, we can, we can do everything in our own strength and it'll never do anything. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, blow. Oh God, let the pneuma of God blow throughout this church and this families of this church and this state and this nation, God. Blow with your Holy Spirit. That's what you want to do, God. Burden our hearts. God, let your Spirit come again. Don't let us walk into eternity, God, thinking we're okay. God, don't let us lose any more of our families and our nation. Don't let us suffer more judgment because we're hardened before you. But God, you want to give mercy. God, your heart is mercy. That's why you do it. Your heart is mercy. And God, you offer it and you plead it and you beg it and you display it and you send it. And God, if we don't accept it, you have no choice. But God, do it. God, do a work. God, do a work today through your mighty power. God, you move.